0: Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show.
1: Hello and welcome to episode one oh eight, which rhymes with Bikes Are Great. Get your head out of the gutter. I wasn't gonna say what you think I was gonna say. I don't even know what you masturbate.
0: Oh yeah, it rhymes with that too.
1: What were you thinking?
0: I wasn't thinking. Fornicate? Or no, was the I, potato just I, rotating? The potato was rotating when you said which rhymes with. I was like, uh, what the fuck is he about to say?
1: So, real quick, I'm going to go first because I don't have a lot to talk about. I feel fine. My hip is healing. i uh, going to put up an Instagram post when Jimmy finally passes. Jimmy's my third butt cheek that I grew after the violent encounter with the ground. Um, yeah, I did that which is getting better i haven't ridden my bike other than up and down the driveway yeah that and then that's it that's all i got i'm trying to go quickly uh do you want me to read those uh those dudes off
0: yeah read some patrons
1: starting at ten dollars a month we've got zach will tri-city's pet (laughs) (laughs) chalula. no way Cthulhu? i don't know how you pronounce that it's
0: like Chalula.
1: <laughs> Look, your computer is at a funny angle, and it's kind of hard to read. And as it came out of my mouth, I knew it was wrong. It's Tom P, Todd, Ty, Tennessee, Zach, Taper, Bore, Pro, SCG Shoe Sam Pecklin Racing, Sam Crowless. <laughs> I'm I'm not Sam Cran. You know what? It's been a long week. Ryan, Parker, Noah, Nick, my pal Dow, NTB shenanigans, Leland, Kenny sucks, Ken, Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jar of Dicks, Jake, sorry, I forgot to change it back, J.R.R. Tolkien, I love you guys. Thanks. Uh, how come when Jake makes an absurdly long name, you read him and praise him for it, but when I do it, Matt gets mad at me? Question. Uh, Clayton, I don't know. Because Jake's the nicest person you'll ever meet, and you're just... Okay. You're fine. You're a great person. But Jake Jake is like the patron saint of humans. Oh uh gosh. Green Giant, Gordon, G Man, Frank, F that Guy, Mark, Ezra, Trilla, G, Evan, Eric, Dan, Captain Fickle, Cam Irish One, Billy Single Speed. Bill, Bo, Baggins. And for people that don't know, Bill, Bo, and Baggins are three different people. Uh, Alec, AJ, Aaron, we got eleven or at Esker Cycles at eleven sixty nine. then our Australians, uh, Josh and Dean with fuck me, I'm so bad at this.
0: You're just out of practice. It's okay.
1: So I missed Lead Out Sports. we got Lead Out Sports and Josh at 14 kangaroo ears apiece. Dean at 1650. Uh, still lost the emu wars. Um, all three of y'all did. And then at 20 we've got Scott, Poop Wrench, Joe, Brady, Anthony, Affordable Trail Solutions, Harley at 30, Troy at 31, Brad at 32, and Six Pack Outdoors at 50. So now that I'm dumb mate. <laughs> <laughs> done making myself sound dumb. Maybe I'm not making myself sound dumb. Maybe I just am. Or maybe dumb. you're
0: just not done.
1: That's it. That's all I got.
0: All right. So that's that was like your week and patrons all at once.
1: Yeah, because my week's pretty bland.
0: All right. Well, I can go next. I oh, full, well, we'll do chicken nugget first. So. I had a hen that was broody, and I kind of missed it for a couple of days. So, broody means that they just decide uh, their hormones do some stuff, and their body tells them, go and lay some eggs and sit on them for a month and hatch some beep, babies. Beep, beep. Yep, hatch some babies. Uh, during that time, they'll stop laying their own eggs after a couple of days, and that's what happened with her. She started to be broody the other hens were bothering her she was trying to sit on a nest box and they were trying to lay eggs and they look there's six nest box six nest boxes and all of the eggs get laid into the same box in the good one well no they switch which one they want to lay in every now and then but
1: that's the good
0: one but yeah they always lay the eggs in the same box so they wanted to they were just kicking her out and she was upset about it and so I kinda of blocked her off and she had already stopped laying eggs by then and so I gave her a couple of freshies from another hen. And we had one of them I won't go through the whole thing. She actually started with four, but we had we have one baby out of four eggs. And uh, it's a little black puffball and it's adorable. Has fuzzy little feet like its dad.
1: If you could imagine if you airbrushed a co- if you puffed out a cotton ball a little bit. Airbrushed it black, and then put
0: little chicken feet on like it. Like if
1: you if you took that little little tiny picnic table that keeps your box of pizza from squishing itself, <laughs> you, you made some little legs out of those tiny little legs and painted them yellow, and then had it move around going beep,
0: beep 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 beep.
1: That's that chick. Yeah. See, I told you I'm not dumb.
0: But yeah, that uh, the chicken's a good mama. She keeps the baby close, and it climbs up under her wing and. You can pick her up and the baby stays in the wing. You can pick them both up at the same time. It's kind of cute. Um, yeah, they're they're happy. And I've got, um, if it's a hen, um, I'm going to give it to the people that let me borrow the chicken plucker uh, when I process meat birds.
1: What if it's a rooster?
0: Uh, I'll probably give it away on like one of the chicken Facebook groups.
1: You won't just broth it up?
0: No, no. I mean Boots is a good rooster, so someone can get a good rooster if that's a rooster. Like he's that's what I I kinda think so two of the eggs out of the four weren't fertile or they weren't fertilized. Um, so I had to toss them out around day fourteen of brooding. And uh I think it's because Boots is kinda lazy. Like roosters are kind of asshole cocksuckers. Like they just grab hens by the back of the head and kinda just do rooster stuff to them.
1: It's not do rooster stuff. It's <laughs> Now, you know what? Let's just move on.
0: Well, Boots doesn't do that because he's just kind of, like, fat and slow. So he he's not always, like, successful. Like, he's like, oh, we, I, I want to bang this hen. And then she runs off, and he's like, oh, damn. <laughs>
1: Tell us about your KOM.
0: Oh, yeah. I did the Silver Creek Loop.
1: Did all the wind stay in your wheel?
0: All the wind stayed in my wheel. I did not go quite as fast this time. As I went last time, uh, down the descent. But I did the loop, or the time, I guess, the the QOM part of the Silver Creek Loop um, in 1 hour and 52 minutes, I think. I think that was the time. But yeah, I, I'm i real happy with it. I felt really good. I pedaled hard. And it was fun. Then the next day, I went and climbed a couple of mountains. I went up Mount Uray and Mount Chipita, which are... Pretty close to each other.
1: Believe it or not, chipita not to be confused with Chiquita, <laughs> the banana brand.
0: Yeah. Uh, apparently, I, I think the the local legend, I don't know if it's true or not, uh, is that Yurei and chipita were the Indian chief and his wife that lived in the area in the Ute tribe.
1: You mean the indigenous native people before they were driven out by white man? Yeah, those they're, people. They're not Indians.
0: Right. Exactly. I'm sorry. I'm a trash person. I'm old. Okay. I have some of that boomer language just ingrained into my brain and I try to not do that, but I do it sometimes.
1: You know, my parents said words that I don't say anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, what else did you do?
0: I don't know. Have I done anything besides ride bikes and climb mountains? No. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Kenny, what have you been up to?
2: What have I been up to? I don't think there's been any mountain biking. I did get out on the moto last weekend. It was super nice out cuz it just rained, so it was awesome, great hero dirt, did some more exploring in the Hobble Creek area, and that's it.
1: All right, so do we dive into can this can we skip new shit we hate? Can we pay our wolf tooth tax and go right into all these questions?
0: Why don't we do the questions first and then do new new shit, but we start with the wolf tooth thing when we do new shit? Okay. So, our first question is from Jeff, a Hammer member, and this was actually sent this last week and I forgot to read it uh, on air. So you want me to read, read it?
1: You want me to see if my reading comprehension has improved in the last?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Jeff says, hey, Ray, I'm ready to trade in my SpotRive 115 six-star build with XTR and Fox for a Gen 2 Rive. Gen 2 six-star builds are either SRAM transmission with RockShox or XTR Fox. I've happily ridden SRAM and Shocks in the past, but I'm leaning towards XCR build because I've got an extra, or I've got extra pads and a chain, and also really like XCR brakes. Yep, Kenny, I like them and have never had a failure yet. <laughs> However, y'all I added it yet? However, y'all really talked up the transmission when it first came out. What are your thoughts now? Which build would you recommend? Thanks, Jeff from Hammer, and he says an edit if it's not too late. Uh. But still leaves the question of Fox Factory Grip 2 versus Pike Ultimate. Thoughts and thanks. Can I just start by saying Epic Evo? <laughs> More bottles? Less weight?
0: Well, but the Gen 2 Rive is a bigger bike than the Epic Evo. Remember, they made it into like a, a baby trail bike.
1: All right, yeah, whatever. Oh, like, right, because it comes with a fucking Pike now. Yeah, like there's... Uh, I mean, it's I've a tall never, boy, not an Epic yeah, Evo. Yeah, like, so
0: I've never ridden an Epic Evo, but... I'm pretty sure that just based on how my mayhem feels, that a 130 or whatever it is now a one 120 one, I forgot what travel they I don't made. Know, there.
1: It's like 130 in the front, 120 in the rear. It's like a it's like a Ripley or a Tallboy. It's it's not a blur or yeah.
0: I mean, it's it's built like bikes in that category in general are going to descend a little better than bikes in the Evo category. So I don't think you can say Epic Evo in this case because it's apples to oranges.
1: Bitch, I just did. Epic <laughs> Evo. I said it again. No, I am I mean, it. it sound, my two cents is no matter what bike you get, I think you're going to see that you have a problem with something. You, there's always going to be something that pops up. You know, there's going to be something. And where I'm going is it sounds like you really like XGR. so if nothing else... Like, if you got a SRAM bike and the brakes failed, you'd be like, oh, goddamn SRAM. And if you get an XTR bike and the XTR brake fails, you'd be like, oh, I guess it was finally my time. But if you did it with a SRAM brake, you wouldn't say, wow, I've ridden for years without a brake failure. This is finally a manufacturing fluke. You'd be like, goddamn SRAM. So, yeah, buy the XTR bike. Who cares?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're both going to be really good. I mean, XTR, we were just talking about this, XTR is a 2019 tech. But otherwise, I think it's a new frame. It's the Fort. I mean, Fox makes great suspension. I really like Rock Shocks. But you know, if SRAM exploded tomorrow and I couldn't get their parts anymore, I wouldn't be like, oh damn, I gotta ride Fox. I now. wouldn't go
1: buy an Olin's before I bought a Fox. Yeah,
0: exactly. So yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with Fox. I mean, if you compare like some of the stuff, like comparing, say, the uh, thirty four Step Cast to the SID Ultimate. I really... I like the SID SL a little better.
1: No, you like the SID Sorry,
0: yeah, the SID better. Not The SID SL is the short one. And I've never compared a 32-step cast to that, so I can't speak for that. But
2: Nobody here I mean, or anyone that we know or friends of anyone we know should ever be riding any 32 chassis in anything anyway, so like, it's irrelevant.
0: Well, I, it's a good gravel fork if you have a, a hardtail mountain m- bike maybe. and you want to make it into a gravel bike.
1: I definitely finally felt that on the spark one of the last rides i did on that bike i i could feel how do i put this i finally felt and it's hard to kind of wrap my head around but the it seemed like the small bump compliance was going away under heavy braking and i realized it's because i finally weigh enough to bind the stanchions up so yeah but with that said if you told me tomorrow you have to race leadville next year i'd want an epic world cup with a 32 fork for that event but that's just me
2: I think as an all-rounder, something that you're going to own and ride for a long time, I just don't think your average weight adult human being should really no. be riding a 32 these days. It's just they're outclassed.
1: Well, and the other thing about that is the 35 SID chassis, the 34 Step Cast stuff, while the other, sure, the 32s have gotten lighter, but the 35 and 34 chassis stuff has caught up to old 32s. So it, it it's sort of that, like, climbs like an XC bike. It's like, it's like a trail-worthy fork that's, like, old XC weight. You know, it's...
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it sounds like you want the XTR stuff, and there's nothing wrong with the Fox Factory with Grip 2. That's a great fork. So I, I don't think you're going to be upset with either build that you get, so just flip a coin.
2: My advice would be, get. Yeah the transmission because if you've been happy with xtr you're not even gonna know what to do with your hands if you ride (laughs) transmission
1: (laughs) yeah i mean that's the other thing is you might be happy with xtr right now but if you're playing on test ride
0: a uh, test ride a bike with transmission and just see if it's if it's better enough for you to want to get the transmission bike
2: i will say that's what i would do if you enjoy shifting seven gears at a time like Apparently some people do. It's not the trans it's not the drivetrain for you, but if you shift like a normal human being, like maybe one, two gears at a time, then it's phenomenal.
0: All right. That's like the most realistic review I've heard ever. <laughs>
1: what uh what's next? Oh. Quick, move. Fast like bunny. Brian says, "I have an Ibis Ritmo with a Float X2 with more adjustment options than I'm used to. Of the bajillion or so suspension setup tutorials I've I've seen, one thing I don't think I've heard mentioned is the relationship between rebound and compression. For example, one would assume that trying to set up the compression with the rebound wide open feels very different than with the rebound fully closed. How would you account for this? Trying all possible combinations obviously isn't practical, so do you just go back and forth between the two until it feels good, or is there a more methodical approach? I've got it set up pretty well, I think, but whenever I hear Kenny say he gets on someone's bike and it feels like ass, I wonder if I'm blind to my own garbage setup.
2: Oh, man. And... It sounds like that's this guy's bike.
1: Well, I've got one quick piece of advice. Fox is not going to give you a pressure recommendation because Fox does not know what bike that shock is on. Fox, or like the Ibis part, and and how it sags... like. How progressive is the stroke or the the suspension linkage curve? All that stuff plays into what do you need to do to sag the bike? What's your rider weight distribution on the bike? All this shit goes into play, right? But Fox does give you a baseline setting standpoint for if you're running this pressure. Yes. So you've done the sag. Yes, however. Then. However. I know you don't like this, Kenny, but uh, just can I finish? It hurts. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. But if you have no fucking clue what you think you're supposed to be doing, you can look at that little chart and it says if you're running this many wins, you run this many clicks of that clack and this many clicks of that clack, and you'll have a starting point.
2: No, that that is super fair and super accurate because it's all, at the end of the day, most of the things... The adjustments you're going to make, imagine everything was perfect at however many clicks on your bike, and it's for real perfect. If you go up in air pressure because you're a heavier rider, you are going to be adding a little bit of compression, and you're going to be adding a little bit of rebound so that it will now be tailored to that higher spring rate. So that's pretty. That's a pretty basic thing. So nothing wrong with going by their basic settings. I think people people who aren't super fast riders get too involved in compression damping, I think. So don't be here is my advice to you set sag and then rebound can be tricky because there is high and low speed uh, rebound damping. But what you can do is you can just push that shock about halfway through its travel, just sitting there static on the ground, preferably put your dropper seat post down. It's a lot easier to get leverage on it. So you got your pressure set and now you're going to test your rebound and you're going to get it just fast enough that it's not like popping the tire off the ground, maybe a hair slower than that and however many clicks you end up on the low speed circuit. Hold on, Kenny. Yeah.
1: So what Kenny's saying is you've dropped your seat post, you have your left grip in your left hand, you put your right grip or your right hand on the tail of the saddle, you compress the shock and then you slip your palm off the saddle and you let the bike
2: it's got to come back and all on mosquito. its it's got to come back all on right. its own. I usually use both hands on the saddle and you can kind of just lean the bike up against yourself essentially and
1: or stand over the rear wheel and do it yeah yeah yeah.
2: anyway push down on the bike let it come up on its own with a pushing about halfway through the travel to the best of your ability and you're going to set your low speed rebound in that setting or in that uh, condition and however many clicks you end up with now granted high speed does bleed into that so be careful you can't have one like fully maxed out if you have have them both around the middle let's call it assuming you're an average weight rider just so it's not doing wonky stuff get your low speed set. And then whatever you end up on your low speed, you can just, for the time being, set your high speed to that and you can go into more detail on that. But that'll at least get you going. And then my recommendation on compression on something like an X2 is people so often run way too much compression damping because it's there. And someone thinks like, well, somebody uses it or there's a plus here. You got to understand, they're giving you a huge range of adjustability because the guy who might be buying or the girl who's buying this X2, it's got a bunch of adjustability. Because that person might be outriding whatever the stock, uh, whatever the stock setting is for a uh, float X, for example. So they give you a basic, a basic ridiculous amount of compression damping if you so need it. If you are actually a Red Bull Rampage level rider or a pro <laughs> DH rider, that level of compression is there for you. If you also imagine if you are um why am i forgetting his name who's the real big guy who's been riding red bull rampage for like 20 years cam no uh
1: brett reader no he's small no i don't readers like any four foot
2: eleven uh
1: i don't know any of the rampage guys i don't live in utah <laughs> yeah
2: sorry i don't drink monster in the back of my f250 I, I don't know anyone i have a rampage. personal
0: anecdote to add at the end of what kenny's saying okay
2: well anyway i'm forgetting his name right now he's like a super duper nice guy he's just like freaking big and he rides hard And at a super high level, that person is what the full plus is for. And maybe he might not even be using that. I should call him up and ask. He probably (laughs) doesn't even use that. So what I'm getting at is so many people make the mistake of ruining their bike because they buy this expensive shock and they think, oh, I want to run a ridiculous amount of compression damping because it's here and it was expensive. Don't be that person. You don't need it. I assure you, you, you don't need it.
0: Just just very basic, uh, just to explain compression dampening. That's going to be, I, I find it really hard to explain, but I've messed with it some um, with, my, with my fork. It's kind of like how hard is it to get into your travel? So it's, I mean, it's not like- What it airplanes. does is it, it, it just, it,
2: it takes that super duper hard hit and it's going to spread that super, super hard hit over a longer period of time. So yeah, that yeah, that's all that's it's that is all it's doing. So if you're taking the super duper hard hit and you have that compression damping all the way up, that hard hit that could actually like is so hard it could break your wrists is being extended over a longer period of time. And is it Kyle Strait? Kyle Strait, yeah. So
0: So what I wanted to add in with my so my silver when I broke my wheel on Silver Creek, uh, they've used that trail for an Enduro where some very talented female enduro riders participated, and there were three or four of them. So like they were, you know, top four and five on this segment. And I managed to get third, like behind the two fastest ladies and not really far behind, you know, over like a 10 to 12 minute segment I think it was I was like a minute off their time which is like they're going really fucking fast that's what they do they are pro enduro riders they're really good and I had turned a a couple of speed a couple of clicks of high speed compression up on my fork and I didn't like how that felt like I thought it was a little harsh and I ended up turning it back down so going at speed of close to pro enduro rider and this is smaller people I mean I don't know how large these ladies are um, but for me weighing about I don't know geared up 140 pounds uh, it was it was too much it wasn't comfortable you know on the smaller stuff on a couple of the big hits it was okay but yeah and like the the most of the trail it wasn't a comfortable ride so even going pretty fast uh, it it didn't really do any good for me now if I weighed 50 pounds more I'd probably want those couple of clicks.
2: Yep. So the moral of my story is the reason you want to buy a high speed, low speed compression and rebound fork or shock like a, uh, I'm sure like a Pike or a Lyric or a Zeb or a 34 or 36 with the grip two damper or an X2 rear shock or any of the RockShox ones. The reason you buy those, in my opinion, for an average weight adult person, you buy it actually because you can run less compression than what's built into exactly. a lot of shocks and yep. people get that backwards and the reason that someone like me who is a lighter to middleweight person for example the reason i raved about the grip Two fork damper so much is because i could run less compression damping and the fork could do more work that that's was exactly that's exactly why i point. like
0: that too
1: yeah i mean i run i think two I don't know on my new Lyric Ultimate, but I know on the old Fox 36 factory fork mm-hmm. that I was running on the, the Izzo, I was running two clicks of low-speed
2: compression. And were you running any, any high-speed high speed or zero? No. Okay. See? Yeah. And I, and I was doing the do. exact same. I ran zero high-speed and one click of low-speed on my yep um, on my grip, too. And, and that felt And I'm heavier best. than Kenny. And there's like 16
1: clicks or something ridiculous in there. So like <laughs> one more isn't meant much.
2: Here's to give you another yeah, idea. Uh, on my Tellaria, it weighs 160 pounds, 150 pounds, something like that. And I weigh 160 pounds. So we've got a 310, 320 20. pounds of stuff. It is on a
1: system. weight. It is
2: on a bicycle fork. It is on a bomber 58. So it is a 40 stanchion fork, but it's still, you can tell it's flexing. Like it ain't, it ain't happy on that fork. I run 100 PSI, which is set up for a... If it was on a bicycle that, let's say, weighed 40 pounds, 30 40. pounds. Let's
1: say 40. No, downhill bike will weigh
2: 40. Okay, so it weighs 40 pounds. It is set up for a 250-pound rider, which is about right. So at 100 PSI, and I run... It's just the GRIP1 damper. I run zero clicks of compression and zero problems. I don't bottom that thing out. All righty. Yep.
1: Well, there you have it. Was so that moral
2: of the story is... Get your rebound set at a reasonable position and obviously do this with a grain of salt depending on how much you weigh i'm doing this assuming that you weigh let's say 175 pounds and i would probably run maybe one click of high speed and one click of low speed on that rear shock i want you to start there on the compression side of things always start with zero compression and then go from there if you're outriding the shock you can add a few clicks but so many people start their life in the middle and they're just ruining it and they just don't realize they've ruined it.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if you got... I I stepped... Like, right when Matt read the question, I I stepped off the headphones for a second. Did you go over what low speed is for? It doesn't. It's it's more like it's your pedaling input. So if you feel like you're getting some... Start at zero, like Kenny said, or if you're looking at, like, Fox's recommendation for stuff, you know, whatever, start there. And if you feel like... Um, You're getting a lot of suspension movement when you pedal. For one, check your pedal stroke and make sure it's not square. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just not, you know, just mashy. Um, But then add one or two clicks and see how you like that. And if you don't like it, take one away. Um, Maybe add another. And Another thing you can also do just to play around with stuff, if you have a section of trail that has a little bit of everything, some pedaling, some... Maybe standing, some descending, kind of go one setting at a time, but turn it all the way up or all the way down and see how it feels.
1: All right, so I'll jump in here. What Andrea talking about is called bracketing, which is where you make a wild change yeah. to one thing so Just you one. can you can say, "Oh, when it's fucked up, when this is fucked up in that direction, it feels like this." Yep. No, it's, and, good, and it's good to do that. You so tell you know. if it's.
0: Yeah, like, then you can tell if it's just a little bit fucked up. You can be like, oh, I felt that when I had it really fucked up, Um, and I feel it very subtle now, um, so I'm going to change that setting.
2: And my recommendation is if you're going to bracket it on a shock like that, is do it on the high speed circuit to start with cuz that's going to be pretty noticeable when you're really rallying and yeah play with it on the rebound go full plus on that and see, and see what it feels like
1: it's <laughs> yeah get bucked over your bar straight
2: to your fucking dome
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. you're going to just yeah. rally it i'm not i'm not liable for you wrecking because you <laughs> do it with
2: your eyes closed but for real like you should try it run high speed compression on full plus and go ride that bike you're going to be like my bike sucks shit it's horrible
0: yeah That's kind of what I was doing the other day with my high speed. I I played with it kind of the whole time I was not climbing. And, yeah, I was like, yeah, this kind of sucks with any high speed compression. All right, next question.
1: Are are we really done talking about suspension now?
0: Until we get to the new shit.
1: Okay, so John says... Uh, hello, I have two questions for you. We're going to do the second question first and the first question second. Is anyone else annoyed SRAM did away with 2.5 increment for cranks links on transmission? I feel like 172.5 cranks is a standard for most people of average height. Not offering the new group set and that length feels weird to me. Maybe I'm out of touch. Curious to know your thoughts.
0: I didn't know 172.5 was... John, I think you smoked
1: was... too much wacky tobacco because they yeah, haven't made a 172 nobody. mountain bike crank Yeah, Nobody's a Nobody's really made a
2: 172.5 I, That's five like a road thing. Crank. It, it's a road crank. So Which is fine. I don't disagree. I wouldn't be upset if 172.5 existed, but it's just not. We don't a need com- more SKUs. It's not a common thing. I'm still an advocate of, I think the world needs to go to shorter cranks.
0: I do like the 170s on the Mayhem.
2: You can have my
1: 175s and you pry them out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you let me try like 165 or 170. And if I like it, you have to buy me
2: seven new crank sets. I think you just need to buy a bike that's built around one sixties or one sixty fives. That sucker is going to be all nice and low slung. It's going to be maze balls, but you don't just, sure, if you but, just slap short cranks on a high bottom bracket bike, I don't think that's going to solve problems. It's just going to make your pedaling yeah. feel funny. Yeah. There's, I like
0: the way that, I mean, I'm five foot six and, ish. yeah, five, five and a half. I may I might be shorter now that my, uh, my spine is slowly compressing itself. So, uh, or my vertebrae. All
1: right. So first question, second. Will Kenny please do a write-up on the meat rice recipe? I'm in charge of food for a weekend riding trip and would like to wow my friends while also weeding out anyone who's not up to the task of massive carb consumption.
2: <laughs> that is good. All right. So here's the breakdown. You're going to want some steak. Steak is up to you on what you want to do. You can be a baller, get some, like, filet mignon. You can get... Uh, You can even get the pre-cut up stuff, but essentially what you're after is something like a tri-tip and you're going to want to cube it up into pretty small pieces, not like ultra small, but like definitely very easy, single bite-sized pieces, no bigger than that. So Um, like
1: three quarters of an inch?
2: I'm going to say a half inch to a three quarter inch kind of thing. If you want to make them more in like a little bit of strips, that's fine too, Uh, but keep them reasonably sized. For sauce. Yeah, you know,
0: the smaller they are, the easier it is to uh, shovel it in your face.
2: That is correct, yeah. You can always more have you can always you. have more small pieces of meat, but you don't want to choke on a big one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Kenny. <laughs> Praising.
2: <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, eating eating one oh one here. So the sauce is really important. It has to be spicy Allegro sauce. You're going to have to find it. It's sold in most parts of the country. Most of the Smith's owned stores, so Kroger, Smith's, probably King Supers, there might be a few others. I think most of those supermarkets have it. Spicy Allegro, very important. Not regular Allegro, spicy Allegro. Uh, you're going to dice up all that meat. And hot and spicy marinade? That's correct.
1: And that's Allegro, A L L E G R O, hot and spicy marinade.
0: And it's $16 for a...
2: Four-pack of 12-ounce bottles. All right. It's regular sauce price, (laughs) depending on the strength of the yen. So um, (laughs) you've got your spicy Allegro. You are going to dice up all of your meat. You're going to pop it in your pan, and you're going to put your spicy Allegro in there. As far as ratio, it's probably like... That's a 12-ounce bottle. You're probably doing like two ounces per pound kind of thing. Like it needs to sit in a pretty good amount of sauce. Like you can't really overdo it with the sauce. Cause it's going to sit in that sauce. It's going to be a little bit on the watery side. Like that's okay. Cause then you can kind of dole out, you, you pop the meat out of there once it's cooked and you kind of dole out the amount of sauce you want. Cause it, it's, it's fairly spicy, not like blow your face off, but it's definitely, it's definitely got a quick, kick. If you
1: want to put some extra stuff quick in there. Ejection. Yeah. Would it be acceptable? Like if you're going to make this Saturday night, could you cube it up? like Friday night or Saturday morning, throw it in the
2: marinade overnight. You could. I've never done that because I usually decide to make meat rice like right then and there. If you were super prepared. Spontaneous meat ricing. Yeah. If you were prepared, you could probably do that and it would probably be pretty lit. Um, Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. All right. So generally speaking, you're going to like let that kind of marinate. You really don't need to cook that until the end. It truly takes like four minutes to cook that because you're just going to put it in a nice big saucepan essentially and you're going to put it on a medium heat. You want it to like barely bubble. Don't go rowdy with it and just keep stirring up uh, all that meat. And yeah, definitely don't overcook it. It doesn't take very long because it's sitting in a giant, like the surface area of that sauce is like everywhere, right? So it cooks pretty quickly. Anyway, so you're going to cook that kind of last. I'm looking at
0: the ingredients. The sauce does have some like a sugar syrup in it. So if you do cook that on too high of a heat, it's going to just burn and taste like shit.
2: Yeah, you're going to have so much sauce. I don't think that's going to be a problem. It's just going to like bubble for like a really, really long time. I've definitely never burnt it, but you can kind of overcook the steak and just make it not great. Uh, Next up, you're going to need some basmati white rice. And hopefully you have an instant pot because that should be the only way that you cook rice. But if you do it old school, you can do it. Uh, You're going to cook that how you would rice. And then you're going to add butter, quite a bit of it, actually, when it's done, and salt and pepper. So real simple on the rice. Then you're going to want to get either tater tots or crispy crowns. And you just cook those suckers on a baking sheet in the oven like you do tater tots. So plan for that accordingly on time and all that kind of crap. And then you are going to get Velveeta shells and cheese, just traditional. And cook them like you do Velveeta shell and cheese. And then when that's all done, you're going to the general stacking order is going to be be white rice on the bottom. And then you're usually going to go tater tots. And then you're going to go shells and cheese. And then on top of that, it's going to be meat and however much sauce you want. And then the sauce will kind of just soak up into everything.
1: Uh, can 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 we pause so I can make meat rice?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think people know how good it is. It changes people's lives, sometimes for the worse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it will change your life. Can I, mean,
0: I can I give a sacrilegious recommendation in case this person likes vegetables?
2: You can. It's that's the wrong move. Wrong move. But you I know. Can make I know. Recommendation.
0: But, but if you're cooking for, I don't know if if this is like if your so- friends
2: want to be able to shit the next morning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like if you don't want to have a brick in your intestines. I, I uh, maybe I've pooped a lot of Let things give in my the- life,
2: and this this is truly. <laughs> This makes me solid. Like it is, it is good. No, no, I mean like like it might make you too solid. No, no, like it definitely does not constipate you. It is. (laughs) But you're laying logs. Oh, it's like (laughs) they're
0: beauties. (laughs) God, oh god!
1: It's a Butte car. Start the car.
0: <laughs> Get out of here.
1: All right. So,
0: okay. Wait, let me make my recommendation. If your friends like vegetables or if you like vegetables, I made some rice um, last night where yep. Instant Pot, Kenny has a great recommendation there. Uh, mix up some chicken bouillon a little bit strong, like your water you put in there. Um, put, I use just some like the paste, the bouillon paste. You could use chicken stock too. Yeah, yeah. the 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 bouillon paste just has like a little more like fake flavoring added to it. What's so the it brand of the one it. you use?
2: I think I've used it before. Probably the kind that comes in a little jar. It's like I don't a little, glass, like only little glass, thing. Yeah, what is, I can't remember yeah. the name brand on that. They have. Hold on,
0: oh. Matt. We've got some in the fridge. Hold on.
2: It's called Better Than Bouillon, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Better Than Bouillon. Yep. So, mix up that a little bit stronger than what the package says. Just a little. Then throw in, on top of that, some vegetables that take slightly longer to cook. I wouldn't put something like, I don't know, broccoli or spinach or something in there because it's just going to overcook and be kind of shitty. I put green beans, onions. Carrots. Carrots. Bell pepper.
1: And a couple of tomatoes, like baby tomatoes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like tomatoes, if they cook down, they kind of add just like a tiny bit of like, these were little kind of like cherry tomato sized yellow tomatoes out of the garden. So they're kind of sweet. And they give you that little bit of like sweet, sour kick in there that's really good. So throw all of that on top of your rice and pour that broth on top and you can have some vegetables in your rice. It makes it really easy. You don't have to like break out a new another pan because, you know, Jimmy wants some fucking vegetables in his meat rice.
1: Also, for what it's worth, skipping the mac and cheese part, which I am. Definitely. Andrea's going out of town this weekend, so meat rice is happening in this house. Meat rice for one.
0: Would you use french fries or are you going to go get some tater We have hash browns too.
1: Well, what I was going to say is, excluding the the mac and cheese, this isn't far off from what we have for dinner like once or twice a month. We'll make a hamburger, what we call a hamburger bowl, so rice and then cook your french fries. I chop my french fries up and just put them in the stuff, and then I put a burger patty all chopped up in there and mix that all up with all your normal burger toppings. toppings like, like
0: a little onion and a little pickle?
1: Yeah, some raw onion, some, uh, like, relish or chopped up pickles, mustard, ketchup, mayo. Mix that all up, add some... Um, it is good to add some, like, uh, what do you call that? Uh, like, some Worcestershire sauce or something like that yeah, to yeah. the uh, to the rice just to add some flavor there. Yeah, I mean, I could get down on meat rice. Like, meat rice would not take me out of commission
2: you don't get down on meat rice meat rice gets down on you (laughs) i'd get downed on then if you think about it go down on me (laughs) two two of the best foods what it comes down to it either comes down to you've made a pizza or you've made meat rice that's it
0: yeah yeah that's that's pretty solid i mean but
2: not to get
1: too hard on the recipe here but like tater tots always good mac and cheese always good just meat and rice mixed together as long as you've seasoned them. Oh, yeah. Always good. Uh-huh. Like all three of these things. I mean, plain rice. I'll eat plain rice with butter, salt, and pepper. It's fine. It, I, I like it.
0: Oh, yeah, and in my vegetable rice, I did stir in probably two tablespoons of butter. As soon as I opened the Instant Pot, I tossed the butter in there and closed it back up. Yeah, don't and be a minute later, don't be scared of butter
2: with rice. I used to be a little scared of butter, and I'm not scared of butter anymore. All right. I'm going
1: to give one more rice recommendation, and then we can go back into regular stuff. So I've been making my own hot pepper oil at home. I just got one of those little squirt bottles out of the grilling section at Walmart. We put a bunch of our stuff in there, like soy sauce, sesame oil, stuff like that all around the house or kitchen. And use a little spice grinder and ground up some... I don't even remember what they're
0: just dried chilies, like chipotle yeah, chilies. Yeah,
1: like dried chipotle chilies or something, but the kind that you find in the the Mexican section of the store. Don't don't go to the white people section. Go to the one where they all have like the little yellow hang card. You know, like yeah, yeah. Get those. You throw one of those bad boys in the spice grinder, solid, like whole, just not the stem. Well, not the stem, but leave the seeds and everything in there. Run it to the moon. Pour your oil in there let that do its thing on the counter for a while but what i'll do is you know rinse your rice toss it in the rice cooker and i like to squirt a little bit of that in there and mix and and not to be silly but i think this is important mix that up first because oil and water don't mix but you can get the oil to kind of coat the rice before you pour the water in and then pour your water in, cook it like normal. If you just put the oil in with the water, you sort of get like flavor pockets and not flavor pockets in the rice when you crack it open. So yeah, that's, that's my recommendation on making your rice just a little tastier. All right. So now back to bike stuff. We have, you sure about that? That's the person's name. Um, will there be a Fox transfer with a 34.9 diameter anytime soon? And what's the reason they've not made this yet? We'll start there. Because it'd weigh a million pounds, and there's like four bikes with a 34.9 seat post.
2: I don't yeah, know. and the shim yeah, works But fine. all the best bikes have 34.9 seat posts. I think everyone needs to go to that standard. You can just make such a better, longer-lasting dropper seat post for real. There's just no reason not to do it. So I mean, I'm it a huge, has to be heavier. I'm a huge advocate of the 34.9 droppers.
1: Yeah, 31 31.6 is good for me. I'm running a 31.6 with a shim in my bike, in my uh, stumpy. hasn't let me down yet second question any comments on dt swiss exe 1200 wheel set? can't find much online any pros cons compared to other wheel sets in the same price i mean they retail for three thousand dollars so every wheel set is is in the same price so
0: kenny haven't you had some bad times with the exe hub
1: well it's a 180 hub right yeah yeah it,
2: it is i i'm not a fan of exp in general on paper you would think it's so good. They like move the bearings further outboard, all these things. Also, my EXP experience was mixed in on top of DT-180s. Basically, don't own DT-180 hubs. They're silly. They're way overpriced. Ceramic bearings are stupid. Uh, I hate them. So don't buy those. They're so expensive. You can do so many other things. If you really like the EXPs, I think the DT-240s are much more reasonable. They have regular stainless bearings. They're going to last forever. They're half the price. They pretty much weigh the same. It's going to be fine. But from an actual like mechanism standpoint and longevity, I don't think the EXP has anything on just the good old traditional Star Ratchet stuff, the two-piece one. So I think either one is fine. I think they finally figured out all the weird issues they had with the EXP. So forgetting the DT-180 hubs for a second, which just have horrible bearings, and they're too tiny, and they're just they shouldn't be on mountain bikes. The EXP problems that they were having where the ratchet mechanism would get stuck, I think they figured that out. It was just a manufacturing tolerance issue is my understanding. I haven't seen any of those going forward, but the problem is the DT350 is now so good. They've chiseled away that um, hub shell even more. So if you're spending your hard-earned money, it's hard, in my opinion, to go wrong with DT350s. There are plenty of other good hubs out there, but if you're buying into the DT lineup, I just have a hard time not getting DT350s. If your bike or your wheel set that you're getting comes with 240s, for example, I wouldn't, like, not run them. But I wouldn't go out and pay the extra money for DT240s.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to put this in perspective, those weigh, what, 1,700 grams? Just to round up, they're like 1695 Yeah.
2: God damn it, reserve. Tell me how much these things weigh. I think you would have to be a crazy person to not buy reserves yeah, that's or, what I was about to
1: say. DT three fifty reserves yes. are seven ooh, grams heavier. Just and ooh, they're so good. Half, they're half the price. They're literally one half the price. Yep. I and mean, I think you can get. Don't a comparable... they weigh the same or lighter? No, they're they're seven grams heavier. Okay. With a Hydra hub, they're twenty five grams heavier.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can get an Industry Nine hub wheel set from several different manufacturers, including Industry Nine
1: or Reserve. You can yeah, get or this wheel like set. you
0: can get. Something that has, I'd say, a more reliable free hub mechanism. Maybe not the bearings. The, for whatever reason, Industry Nine's bearings from their factory are not as durable as other bearings on the market. But once you replace them once with just some enduro plain stainless bearings, they're. They're just bombproof. They're I want to
2: like I want to sit down with i9 and be real with them for a second and ask them why in the world are you still using these ABEC five bearings that are probably more expensive than ABEC threes and they last for like one month and then they're ruined. it's just it's so bizarre to me. I think it's such a disservice to their hubs if they just maybe rethought the seals a little bit. But I think the root of the problem is the actual bearing itself. Get the highest quality ABEC-3 bearing you can bind and run those. Like, just go out and buy the DT-240 stainless bearings. Go buy those and put them in your hubs, and no one will replace a <laughs> bearing ever again. And people will be like, these are the best hubs in the world. And you guys don't have to actually change anything you do other than the bearing that you source that you don't even make anyway. It's just yeah.
1: bizarre to me. And to, to put this in perspective, you can get those reserves with Hydra's for $1,900. So you could buy these reserve wheels with Hydra hubs and a GX transmission group, or you could get these DT Swiss wheels.
2: Yeah, um, <laughs> I love and I say that I love DT Swiss stuff. I think they make really good stuff, and I think their rim hoops are only getting better and better and better. And I don't have like super good firsthand experience with their carbon stuff, but their aluminum stuff is definitely especially their high end stuff like the FR541, the XM481, all those rims are very good. They might not be the lightest or whatever, but they're pretty damn reliable, like just very good stuff. Their spokes and nips are the best. Their hubs, generally speaking, are great. Um, but their like system wheels are way boring. too expensive for what they are. Well, and I have one other big gripe of their system
1: wheel, which is they always make their system wheel different, meaning I don't know how to put this, like, succinctly. You can't buy the rim that comes in your system wheel. So, and the graphics are all, like, wet jet printed on or whatever the fuck they do to them. So if you smoke your rear wheel and you have to buy a new rear rim, you can peel the stickers off your new rim. But you can't get, like... A 1501 alloy wheel set or whatever would be like a 350 hub with a blah, 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 blah rim. But then they paint it up different, and you can't get that rim. So if you smoke a rim, your wheel set doesn't match anymore. And what that, if
0: Don't they do a rebuild service where you would send your broken shit in, and they put a new rim on it? Eh, maybe. Might. I've
2: never heard of it, for what it's worth. Again, they, just the, the, the support would, that you're going to get from a reserve, or I'm also going to throw it out there, the new Specialized, even Specialized. the old Specialized is great, but that new Specialized, I guarantee you, is going to be just such a phenomenal wheel with great support. Uh, it just you, You'd have to be, I think, if you're buying a wheel aftermarket, you'd have to be a crazy person to not buy the new Traverse in an Enduro slash all-mountain wheel. You'd have to be a crazy person to not get a Reserve wheel set or a Traverse SL2.
1: Well, and I think if you're buying an XC wheel set, the Control SL and the Reserve 28 SL... Do the same thing. You, you, you're. And I'm not, sorry. Is
2: it actually? Am I wrong? Is it just called the Traverse Two or Traverse SL Two? I don't know. I have Anyway, I, I might be wrong on that. I, so if I, am I sorry. think
1: it. I have a feeling it's going to be an SL because historically speaking, all their carbon wheels are an SL. You know, you oh, get a Traverse right. wheel, but the control
2: it's just called the control carbon. But they all, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. The new Traverse um, wheels. You guys all know what I'm talking about. The Traverse Two. Go look at those. Google that shit. They're gonna be amaze balls. Yeah.
1: You wanna you wanna roll into Wolf Tooth Tacks?
0: <laughs> we'll talk about some new shit we probably hate or not.
1: So, uh, Wolftooth released a fork. That's right. I said Wolf Tooth released a fork, not Wait, what Lithic. What the fuck?
2: How do I not know about this? I'm I'm, cl- I'm clicking and clacking. Is it on the interwebs?
1: Yeah, it's Lithic by Wolftooth. It is. It is a rigid carbon mountain bike fork oh, okay. that does everything. Cool, I don't care about that. <laughs> it is... It's got bike packing
2: warts. Whoa, why is it so long?
1: It's so long because it's a 120 axle to crown Whoa, corrected. that looks weird. So it has the same sag or the same axle to crown as a sag 120. It's fort. got a long well, that makes, neck.
0: That makes sense because... A lot, not all, but a lot of hardtails now are going to a slightly longer travel fork. So I, I think that's a good move because rigid forks have been a little slow to catch up on that.
2: Oh, you know what? I think I own the Lithic Carbon Fat Fork. You yeah, do? Probably. Wow! Look at me go! Wow! Um, but this does
1: this is, Let's think of this fork as having a chassis. You know, the the steer tube, the legs, and then with one chassis, you can get four different inserts. So you can run it boost with post-mount or flat-mount. You can run it non-boost with post-mount or flat-mount. All four of those options are available to be flip-chipped, so you can change the offset of the fork. So you have, I don't know, like 972 different variations that is with just actually one really, chassis. That fork. is
2: actually really cool. As as much as I'm talking shit, because I'm just not interested in rigid mountain forks these days, that is really, really cool.
1: Yeah, like I know that you were being like facetious and just being like, I don't care, but... If you had a customer that came in and said, well, I've got these old 15 by 100 carbon wheels and I want to run flat mount, like, rival hydro axis on it. Cool, you need this fork. You can do it. It's so fucking cool. If somebody wants some a fork to do something that this fork doesn't, they either need a fat bike fork or one that goes boing, boing, boing.
2: You know what might actually be really cool? Think about something like the Stepcast 34, there's a lot of just extra shit down there that doesn't do anything. You could totally build a system like this where people could do things like play with offset, for example.
1: Oh, God, yeah, but then you you don't want mountain bikers to have more (laughs) options. You'd have somebody come in with, they would have a Fox 38.
0: With a flat mount brake.
1: Hold on, hold on. No, they'd have a Fox 38 in their specialized stump jumper, Evo, and they would have adjusted the rake of the fork, all the flip chips in the rear end, and the headset cups, and they would blame it on the headset bearings that it steered funny.
2: (laughs) That'd be sick, though, 61-degree head tube angle. Sign me up.
1: Sure. So, there you go. Uh, There's the wolf tooth tax. Uh, Can I pay a little bit of RockShox tax before we get into the new Vivid Air? Sure. Troy is disappointed in us that we don't know more about Flight Attendant. So yes, <laughs> yes you can control it from the bar. You can hey look cycle come it out with,
0: come look, out with look, some flight SRAM attendant X C. We can would, talk about it. Would send if SRAM would send me a set of flight attendant fork and shock for the mayhem, or for Matt for his stump jumper, or some of the new cross country stuff for if it's available for the Evo. I do is Evo short enough travel for their new cross country stuff. I have no idea. Well yeah, that's my that epic. that's
2: what it was that's what the spy shots were that's taking. That's what on. I meant the epic
0: the yeah. epic Evo.
1: Yeah, my epic my it's, it's the the Epic Evo is like a one ninety by forty five shock, I think. It's like the yeah. mountain bike shock for XC now.
0: Yeah, so you know, if Isn't if, that right, if we Kenny? had it in hand I think it's could, a one ninety
2: uh, by forty.
1: I thought the the short bike was a one ninety by forty and the bigger bike was forty five. Maybe it's forty.
2: Who gives a uh, shit? The epic Evo. Yeah. It doesn't
0: matter. We're all we're all riding. But that's, people it's, stuff.
2: at the end of the day, that's the same chassis. So one ninety by 45, forty five, forty two and a half, and forty. Same chassis, just different spacers inside.
0: Right.
1: Deep inside. All uh, the way in your rebound hole. <laughs> uh yeah. So Rockshock launched a Vivid Air Ultimate.
2: Yeah. It looks really burly. I watched a few reviews on it, and people seem to be super digging it. I don't know how much they're paid. Uh, or incentivized by SRAM. let's be real here (laughs) however uh it definitely seems to be pretty legit it's got lots of neato things it's got uh hbo hydraulic bottom out which seems to be kind of the new de facto standard for longer travel stuff
1: adjustable too yes
2: yes exactly adjustable hbo is definitely what you want it's Uh, got a new
0: damper uh called the touchdown Damper.
2: That sounds like a concussion. Yeah, you Touchdown. can take you can take the entire dingle dongle off of your pleb ass vivid air that comes on your OEM and you can take that dingle dongle off and add the one with all the clickety clackers on there. It just like bolts on. But kinda oh, maybe so kinda maybe not really. Surely there's like some oil and uh nitrogen pixies and stuff in there. I don't really know.
1: Nope. Safety squinting. just unscrew that bitch. Yeah,
2: I don't know.
0: So so but this it, bypasses it's, it's an the odd compression. Option. It, it bypasses the compression dampening circuit, circuit through the first 10% of the stroke and then works until you get to 80% where the hydraulic bottom out picks up.
2: Jesus Christ, that's a lot of numbers. Yeah, there's kind of yeah. like three zones of the rear shock, essentially. There's like the top part, which has almost zero compression damping, which, shocker, is what people are looking for. Wow, who would have thought that? Uh, so just
1: the tip, <laughs> really easy to get into.
2: You got it. And then the middle part has normal... Um, normal high-speed and low-speed compression and rebound damping functions in it, essentially. And then the bottom, 20% of your travel is controlled by the hydraulic bottom-out circuit, so you can do whatever fancy things you do or don't want to do with hydraulic bottom-out. Got it. So This that's... looks
0: cool, but I'm pretty sure that this would not allow me to ride or use a bottle on my uh, mayhem.
2: The dongle's got a lot of uh, protuberance on that one, for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But yeah, looks cool. New, uh, new technology.
2: Yeah, I would definitely Uh, like to. I'd like to try it. People seem to. People toss around in long travel bike world. They like to toss around coil like, and uh this one is supposed to be very coil like, but supposedly only any all the positives of a coil and none of the negatives. Like you still get some progressivity, but you can like really hang out in the middle part of the travel, which is ideally what you want, and then super duper supple off the top. Supposedly. So haven't written it yet. I you know, most of the reviews where people seem to know what they're talking about. I seem to trust them, and they really didn't have anything bad to say about it. My only fear of it is just the fear of the unknown. Assuming that it can perform the way that it performs, which I'm pretty confident that it does. How long is it gonna last and how easy is it to service? So I wonder, is the wiper seal service the same involvement as a Fox X2, which means you have to do an entire service on the shock. Like, not technically, but you have to take apart I, so much ridiculous stuff on an X2 to do just wiper seals that you might as well just do the full service.
1: I don't think so. I missed the presentation on this one because it was, like, right after I smoked myself. But a buddy of mine watched it and said it was it was pretty easy to do.
2: Okay. so well, hopefully there's no special tools or anything dumb to do wiper seals. That would be my biggest gripe. That's one a huge reason why I do not own uh, a X2 from Fox. The other reason is that they all broke. so <laughs> I don't I don't want to run that. I think they finally fixed it for 2024, but they had like two years where every single X2 broke.
0: This so this do we can we talk about the next thing yet because I'm just looking at it? Yeah, go for it. It's called the Everflow Airlink. It boosts your fork leg volume for easier access to full travel. It actually sounds like this person's trying to do the same per- the same thing as the
1: Meg Meg.
0: Is that the one? That- no,
1: the Four Sprung.
0: No, what's the one that we have that you haven't put in your bike?
1: Oh no, that's the oh, one that's True like, Tune.
2: Yeah, it's like old uh, old grill charcoal Carbon. that you like put yeah. in your screw into your yeah, fork, I need to, and it I need to do gives that you but... by taking away air volume, it's adding air volume.
0: Uh, sometimes, yeah, somehow.
2: Dude. Breaking the laws of I'm physics.
0: Gonna, I'm going to put that in my fork and go ride before hunting season starts and just see. All right.
2: Can we get into the
1: Everflow air link?
0: So, this attaches to the bleeder valves on your fork.
1: It replaces.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Screws into the same holes.
0: And so, um, apparently, this person found out he was a motocross rider. His name is Andrea, I guess. Bafool. I don't know. I don't know. It's B-A-F-O. spelled like my name, but it's, I'm sure, pronounced Italian. And. He did not like the aggressive ramp that a lot of long travel forks had, so he drilled into his fork legs, measured air pressure, and found that during larger compression events, the air spring side was a, was experiencing a very high ramp up.
1: No,
2: no, the lower leg.
0: Yeah, in the that's what I mean, the lower leg. How many of the pissies? Air how many side.
2: pissies are we talking? Does he say?
0: Uh, I don't think it says in this article.
2: Because is, is it going from one to two psi? Or like, because I would imagine that somewhere in that ballpark, like not trying to be funny, I truly think it's like a couple of PSI.
0: Well, he measured it and the pressure buildup in the air spring side was higher than the pressure buildup on the damper side. So now he made, invented this little tube that connects the lowers together and I guess allows some of that pressure to bleed out of the lower fork leg during compression events.
1: All right. I got, I got two things here to talk about. All right. One, don't you think the folks at Fox and Rock Shocks accounted for this when building this with all the money they threw at it? That's one thing. One thing. Okay. Okay. Another question I have for you is could we – you just muted Kenny. Oh, sorry. Andrea turned the thing down so she could watch a video, and she made it where we couldn't hear Kenny. (laughs) Uh, She, like, muted her computer. Um The other thing to question is, can't we just put, if it's just the the air side, why do we need to connect the air side all the way over to the damper side? Why don't don't we just have a little dongle dick thingamajig with another bleeder valve relocator on the, the air side that just increases the lower leg volume on the air side?
2: I know what you do is you just build a little, like, uh, a little p trap in there, kind of like a toilet. And and then you just put a screen door on the other end of it, and then so it's infinite. Except that maybe if you crash your balls off, uh, you might leak some oil out.
0: Oh, they do have in this article, I scrolled down some. uh, So when he was doing his testing on a 180 travel RockShox Zeb.
1: Select the worst fork on the planet.
0: The damper side lower leg measured 12 PSI at bottom out, and the air spring side measured 46 PSI at bottom out, and coupling the two together with the air link Mm. made the compression curve more linear by reducing that pressure to just 20 PSI.
2: I mean, I guess it's possible that seems higher than I would think. It also means that your wiper seals are withstanding 40-something PSI. I call kind of bullshit on that. There's no fucking way.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Let's, let's let's keep this energy. Hold on. Uh, scroll back up a little bit. I want to read a little bit of this article. It should allow riders to increase the pressure in the air spring for more mid-stroke support and rebound speed while still allowing them access to full travel. <laughs> we don't need more midstroke support. We want small bump compliance. Everyone wants small bump compliance. You know what happens when you want small bump compliance? People take air out of their fork. You know what happens then? They bottom the fucker out. Also, so not many
2: people like the the size Sorry. the size of the air springs that are being made are also being made with whatever ramp up because I know there is some amount of ramp up in just the lowers themselves that's, right like the,
1: that's what I was pissing
2: about uppers, don't you think Fox and Rockshox thought about this shit yeah like they know that's a thing right like they're tuning these forks even if they're not even tuning them with a computer let's say which they probably are just when a human being is riding them that is part of the system it's always been part of the system so you're tuning air spring sizes around that. So, I mean, I see what he's getting at. Like what he's saying is a real thing. Is it a real thing to the degree that he's saying? I don't know. That's a little dubious, but I just don't think, I just don't think that it matters. It'd be like someone saying that they realize that a suspension fork changes geometry as it goes through his travel. It's like no fucking shit. It gets shorter. And they're like, oh, I'm going to build this thing to combat that. It's like, well, then your fork doesn't work. Like <laughs> it's, it's just part of it. So I, yeah, looks like a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. Can you vent your lower pressure? Yeah, probably. Uh, like actively, can you? Yes. But do you need to? Hmm.
1: I don't know. So I think this goes into the same category as like the Vorsprungs, sprungs, the MRP ramp controls, all this stuff. I don't think you, you didn't know this problem existed before you read this article. A fool and his money are easily parted.
2: <laughs> yes, that is that is accurate.
1: All right. Do we want to We want to give our friends over at Esker a little love?
0: Yeah, they got this new grape ape
1: That Thanks. Hotter than a box of stolen checks.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Because if you got this, you'd have to take the MRP fork off to have a good fork, and then it wouldn't match <laughs> anymore. And Some... you couldn't sell it, because who's going to buy a fucking grape ape purple MRP fork?
1: I don't know, but it's ceramic coated, so it's very, very strong.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that. I think ceramic coat's cool, but uh, I don't know. It's all right. Can I tell about my snark in the comment section?
1: You're an adult. You can do whatever
0: you want. So someone in the comments... sorry they
1: call it shred coat. I'm yeah. sorry, sorry shred Parker. Coat. Sorry, sorry Tim.
0: Uh, someone in the comment section asked if there was a fork a frame and fork only option, so you aren't stuck with a wretched twelve speed drivetrain. Someone jumps on his ass and says, wretched is a word used by those who shit on new tech. And I basically just said, well, technically it's not new tech because Shimano 12-speed mechanical is about four years old.
2: So I guess I don't even understand. Somebody didn't want 12-speed? They want fucking 11-speed or 10-speed or something? I'm confused. I don't
0: know. People in the comments this section are This person
1: probably wants to run... Advant X or whatever, ten-speed wide range with
0: a bar end shifter,
1: a friction shifter, thummy on Jones bars, <laughs> with a dangle bong and
0: and one of those stems bedrock
1: uh, flip flops.
0: Some, uh, it's like a quill stem for a mountain bike that's twelve inches tall or something.
1: No, because the Jones bar helps with the the real tractor feel. Okay. To quote Tim Kruger, "Your uh, your." you know, best way to make your bike feel terrible is to put Jones bars on it. So, <laughs> uh, also I want to wrap us up with a JRA listener question that came through on Slack. If you had to fight one of our patrons in the ring, like in the octagon, get in the octagon with them, who would you choose and why? And I chose Tim Kruger, <laughs> but the reason being is he's really nice and he's really big and I'm not a large man. So, sort of akin to like way back in the old wrestling days, I think he would just pick me up sort of like Andre the Giant would and be like, you don't want to do this, buddy, and then carry me off and we'd go have lunch or a drink or something. (laughs) So,
0: Oh, Kenny, this is a good question for you that is in our patron slack that I think you can rapid fire and then we'll wrap it up. Clayton wants to know, can you somewhat briefly describe the difference in motorcycles and related competition available in the off-road market thinking like trials enduro motocross and adventure motorcycles how does their geometry differ how is the riding different etc possibly compared to different forms of mountain biking
2: yep so i think that's a super good question and just like mountain biking the people that do it are kind of after a different thing right like people that are into enduro racing and riding versus dh versus cross-country racing, versus, like, adventure riding, and all the other myriad of things we can do on bicycles. It is pretty much exactly the same in the moto world. So people look at motocross, I think. People are so obsessed with motocross because it's flashy, the bikes are loud, they're fast, people do really cool shit on them, and it looks neat. So people think that, like, that's what riding dirt bikes is. And that is a extremely tiny subset of the market. Uh, Those bikes are like pretty terrible for a lot of things. It's basically like DH racing. I'm not bagging on DH racing, but DH racing is so niche. It is for I think they're super skilled. That's not what I'm saying at all. Just like motocross racing, like supercross, that's indoors and the outdoor series. Like it's phenomenal. That racing is awesome to watch. They're the best riders in the world. The machines are insane. The courses are insane. It's awesome. But for the average rider, you're not. That's not the kind of riding you're going to do because you have to go to a motocross track, something that's maintained. It's just such a niche thing. Just like how many people can go ride a World Cup DH course? Uh, Well, hold
1: on. Let me let me throw something in real quick. Yeah. When you tell someone I ride dirt bikes, they think of Pastrana tripling some two hundred footer or hundred footer or whatever. Yeah, they think about when you tell somebody they think about people doing backflips
2: and or or you know you are. Uh, Eli Tomac, and you're like racing on a supercross course, right? Or you, yeah, you're Jeremy you, tell somebody you
1: You tell somebody you ride mountain bikes, they're like, "Oh, have you done Rampage?" It's like, "Fuck no, I haven't done Rampage." What the fuck is wrong with you? <sighs> it's something that's on the world stage that, like Jimbo and Sally, whoever, they might not know it, but they know of
2: it. Yes, yes. So that's that's motocross, and it is its own thing. The bikes are crazy. I don't think people understand generally a motocross course is so gnarly the the way they have to set those bikes up like the suspension for example you could put one of the you could put the best rider in the world on a stock 450 which makes the same power as their bike by the way you could put them on a stock 450 and say, "I want you to go through the supercross course." They would probably kill themselves because the bike literally won't be able to do it. The suspension will explode. They have well, such in- they have such specialized suspension to be able to go through a whoop section at like 50 miles an hour. It is the forks are insane. Like if you, I think if you push down on the forks on a supercross bike, you actually couldn't even push down on them. No, so they're, I- they're so. They're so far in left field of what those machines are and what racing a supercross course is that, like, I want you to just forget about that. Like, that almost doesn't exist. Right. All
0: right. So what about other types like enduro and, well, trials, like there's trials bicycles, which are basically like trials motorcycles. Yeah,
1: trials bicycles and trials motorcycles are the same thing. They're not rideable machines. You can't go anywhere on a trials bike. You can't go anywhere on a trials bicycle. I betted brake pads in for a kid's trials bicycle and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I I thought that I would just die. Yeah. Straight up would rather go lay in the river and let the, the sea envelop me. But you're doing you to put it in layman's terms, you goof off at some level of of let's call it uh you know, goof offery. Trickery. And just like an overland truck, you only impress dudes. So that covers trials.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I feel like trials, Enduro- trials is really cool, both on bicycles and on uh, motorcycles. Now granted on bicycles, I don't want to be a mean person. You look a little silly if it's like traditional trials, but you can also do it with like flair and do cool shit and then all of a sudden you're Danny Mac skill, right? So like it's super cool yeah, but and the there's skills two of you him learn. In the world. Yes. <laughs> And the skills you learn, I'm thinking more like my favorite trialsy riders to watch are Chris Akrig and Danny Mackeskill because they do like, you know, big, uh, big amplitude trial stuff essentially, right? They mix kind of mountain biking and freestyle and trials all into one, which is really neat. So yes, you have trials. I think it's awesome, and it's not. I'm not disparaging trials at all. Matt does it. Um, it's super cool. You learn a whole bunch of stuff. You learn control. Um, but for like, you're not going to go exploring necessarily on a trials bike. Like you could on a, especially on a moto, uh, moto. Like you could. People do ride them in the woods. Probably not super enjoyable for more than an hour. Nope.
0: So that's where you would want an enduro bike. Yes. So motorcycle.
2: A trail bike, just like. In the mountain bike world, they have a subset of motorcycles called trail bikes, and they're very subdued. People almost think of them as like camping bikes or like, you know, just super ultra amateur bikes, but people definitely underestimate how good they actually are. So this is like... TW200. Yeah. uh, TTRs. WR250R. uh, Honda, Honda XRs. All those kind of things. And they're called CRFs now. But anyway... They're going to be sometimes an air-cooled motor, sometimes not. A little bit more basic suspension. They're only going to have 8 or 10 inches of suspension travel instead of 12. They're going to have a lower seat, all things. But just like a
1: stump jumper or a status, it's the bike that everybody
2: should buy. That's correct. The shit you can actually do in the places you can go on a trail bike is pretty impressive. And then you have Enduro. Uh, enduro is going to be the little bit more hardcore version of a trials bike. It's going to be a little bit more closer in geometry and suspension travel and capability to a motocross bike, but they're going to be engines that are tuned in a way that make a lot more torque. They don't typically die on you very easily. They might have like a recluse clutch in them, which is going to allow you to, um, rev down past where the bike would normally die. And it's going to disengage a little flywheel thingy in there essentially, and not let the bike die. It's going to have way softer suspension. Uh, the Geo is going to be a little different, but they're not shockingly different between a motocross bike and an enduro bike, surprisingly enough. Um, the,
1: the frames are softer, for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Everything is made to flex a little bit more, be a little softer. They're generally not in the air very much. They're going to run way softer suspension that actually like grips the ground. So for most people, you need to get a light enduro bike or a trail bike. And if you're going to go ride trails... Think about something you could ride on a bicycle on a mountain bike. Those kind of trails that are single track, that stuff is insanely fun, but you need the right bike for the job. If you try to ride it on a motocross bike, you're going to have a fucking bad time. It's going to overheat on you. It's going to stall on you all the time. It's going to have peaky power. The suspension's going to be way too stiff. The seat's way too high. It's going to be a bad time. You're going to think it's going to be cool. It's a bad time. Unless you are the best of the best rider, you can kind of get away with it, but you'll have a really bad time.
0: All right, and then adventure motorcycles are gonna be like your uh, bike packing. Yeah, like your bike packing bike. It's not gonna be awesome on a trail, but if you gotta like but you link can go down some one for sure. Yeah, if if you're gonna link some, I don't know four by four roads together with a piece of single track, like you can get through it for the most part. But
1: just like your bike packing bike, if you drop it, it's gonna be really hard to pick it up. My yeah. my KTM weighed. 450
2: pounds, I think. Which one did you have? Did you have like a 790?
1: 950 Adventure.
2: Oh, damn.
1: Yeah, that thing was ridiculous. It would do 70 miles an hour in second gear. It was absolutely bananas. (laughs) Best thing I ever did was sell it.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I rode the... uh, What's the like 1200 one? Is it called like the 1190? Yeah.
1: Yeah, the 1190. Yeah, the 1190 was so...
2: I don't even know what that bike was. That was some fucking weird... I have no idea what class that even is. It made no sense. The thing would do like rolling second and third gear burnouts.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's because you could load up you, another person, and all of your gear and still do 100 miles an hour on the highway and have a conversation in your Bluetooth headset.
2: Yeah, it made like 150 or 180 horsepower or something Mm. completely ridiculous and like 100 foot pounds of torque. It made no sense. That thing was so bananas.
0: I think the adventure motorcycles you're looking at something that's got a little bit more upright of a seat and handlebar position. Yeah, just like, just like just like
1: bikepacking, you yep. you have a little bit more upright position because you're going to spend long days in the saddle. Like if you go ride trails motorcycles, you're probably going to stop more than you will on a mountain bike. That's been my experience. There's more stop time and chat time when you ride in a big adventure bike. You just keep moving. You know, you're going to ride all day. And you're going to roll a lot you're of that. you
0: cover a lot of ground.
1: Right. You know, I've done days where I went and rode my dirt bike. And between loading and driving and unloading and fueling and talking and getting going and talking more, I spent all day to ride like an hour and a half or two hours of real moving time. Whereas, you know, you break camp, you leave your camp at 9 a.m., you stop for gas, you stop for lunch, you stop for gas again, you camp again. you rode all day, you know, so.
0: Yep. All right. Well, I think that covers everything Clayton wanted to know about motorcycles. Should we wrap it up? I I have
1: one more thing to say about about motocross, like bikes, that I think they're very akin to cyclocross bikes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because a cyclocross bike is really this death machine (laughs) that talented people can ride gnarly stuff on that most people would struggle to just ride a lap of the course where they go out and rip it. I think most people would struggle to even make it around a motocross or a supercross course. Just just go complete a lap. Most
2: people would struggle to do no, that. Most people absolutely 110% wouldn't even be able to forget jumping anything. You would not be able to roll that fucking motorcycle around that course you would be like no way
1: do you think that many people could ride like a real cross course in the wet
2: oh absolutely not
1: yeah so you know I yeah mean, so I was,
0: do it on 32 millimeter t- has the uci changed that no tire 33 is the max 33 reel. millimeter tire
1: but the the last place i was going hike. is it's a huge because it's such a small course and the timing matches up pretty well You know, of how long the event is. It's a spectator spectacle that has amazing athletes doing it. So, there we go.
0: That's good. Now are we ready to wrap it up? Wrap it up, B. Kenny. Shut it down. Meat rice. Thank you all for listening, and good night.
1: Meat rice. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along show.
0: There's some shit coming out of here. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs>